Hello, and welcome to this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. On the last episode, I was interviewing Chief Eric Echeverria, and we're going to continue this conversation. We were just da- diving into you becoming the chief of the Peoria Police Department. So take me back and kind of walk me through that interview day. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was remote. On top of it, it was remote because we were going through COVID at the time. Yeah. And I had to sit behind a computer screen and a, and a camera for about three hours and go through this. It was a very rigorous process, but it was a great process because they did exactly what I think should be done is have the community voice there and the community stakeholders that need to know and, and want to have input on who who's leading their agency, who's right. leading their department. Um, you know, this is one of the most high, two high profile positions in a city, the mayor and the chief of police. Right. Right. You, you, you as, as a police officer and run you, you, the, the powers that you have to put somebody in jail and control somebody's movement and all that. It's, it's very important to, right. to have the right leadership in place. And, it, and the community should have a voice in that. Um, so it was a very rigorous process. Um, I'm glad I was done with it. But then I moved on to the to, to the next process was with the mayor and the city manager right. and, and, and eventually was offered the position, which was an exciting moment. Um, prior to that, that same day, I came to Peoria. That one was in person and they gave me a tour of the city. They had me ride with, a, with an officer, um, kind of get a lay of the land a little bit while they, they interviewed a second person. Yeah. Um, and it, it was interesting. It was interesting being able to go out and talk to the officers and get some input from them and, and see what, what they were looking for and what they wanted to see. And if I was fortunate enough to get the position and it worked out, it worked yeah. out. So um, take me to that the first day on the job. What were some of the things that you knew day one you wanted to uh, well, implement? I'll tell you, day one wasn't in the office. Day one, I, I came out and worked midnight shift. I was, uh, I was supposed to ride with a specific officer, but then this, this young other officer walks in and she says, hey, chief. And she started talking to me. I said, no, no, okay. Like, yeah. you know, people, oftentimes people don't want to talk to the chief. Right. She connected. I said, I'm riding with you. Let's go. Yeah. So I, I, I rolled along with uh, Officer McAfee. Um, and I was supposed to get with this other officer. It was a very busy night, and they're, they're, we are running from call to call to call. I said, just do what you do. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Just do what you do. I'm just here to observe. Yeah. Prior to, I was just before I can get, jump in the car with the other officer we were going to meet, he calls out on a stop. Next thing you know, he gets shot. Oh, Lord. This is my first day. First day. He gets shot. He gets shot, ends up getting shot in the ankle. There's a fight that breaks out. Somebody shoots and then starts shooting at his, at his squad car. And the seat I was supposed to be in, there was a round sitting on it later. Oh, yeah. So that was my first day. Um, but, that, but some of the things that I got to observe was one, excellent police department. They knew how to do police work. I showed up to, that, to, the, to the fight that was happening while the officer got shot and uh, were breaking things up. And I could see the professionalism and the control that the officers had to not, not just be excessive in their force. Yeah. Right? We had an officer that got shot. We didn't shoot anybody. Right? Um, so I immediately knew that what I saw when I pulled up, 
officers had things contained, the public information officer was on scene. I said, these, this off, these officers know what they're doing. The team knows how to get together, take control, and be professional, and I, and I like that. What I noticed then, moving forward from there, is some of the, the, the needs that we needed at the department as I walked around yeah. was we have about 100 officers on our patrol shift, and there was two computers for them to write reports on inside the station, inefficient, right. ineffective. Right. And it was time that we needed to, to fix that. That's been fixed since, right? There's 14 yeah. now. There's a whole report writing here. I had detectives who were on, on flip phones. This is, last, this is a year and a half ago, on flip phones. I didn't know they still made flip phones. I didn't know either, but Peoria must have had a contract with somebody for flip phones. Um, and I was like, how are we getting work done when, when we live in, in a world of technology right. and a lot of crimes are solved through the use of technology. That's right. And so we've since improved that. The whole department now has department-issued iPhones. Yeah. Um, and just some of the technology, old body cameras that needed to be updated, we've since updated that and went to, a, to, a, to, a, to an Axon system, this top-of-the-line system um, that we moved to now. Uh, and so just we needed to improve things. There's construction that needed to happen inside the department and yeah. things that needed to be redone and moved. And, and, and we're still working through some other things there where we're going to restructure some other areas in the agency. Had an evidence room that was about to explode out of the seams. I had to create a whole other area um, to, to just, we, it's very important, we can't have evidence that's gonna get tainted or lost. Right. And we, so just things internally that just needed to be fixed and improved upon, and we've been able to, to do that. Um, so there's some simple things, you know, as you got to talk to the officers is like, hey, why can't we wear shorts? Like police officers, there's department issues, we can uniform shorts. And yeah. you want your officers who are on patrol to just be able, they work in a lot of long hours, the summer gets hot, it's already hot with this 15-pound vest on and everything else right, you're wearing. Right. But what can we do to make our officers a little bit more comfortable? Because I want officers to be happy when they're dealing with the public. Right. Whatever right. I can do to make them comfortable and be happy but still be professional, that's what we want to do. So we made some changes in the uniform policy. We made some changes in, in some other policies in the agency to make things a little bit smoother. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just kind of making an agency more efficient and more effective. Yeah. Um, and so what we're, we're working on now is really the mental health and, and behavioral health side of it. We're in the process of creating a mental, a, a victim and community services unit where we're going to hire eight mental, uh, uh, mental health and, and behavioral health social workers, along with five interns, an admin, a director, that will respond to calls that require that versus right, just the right, police responding right. to that. We want to we be more efficient, more effective in how we deal with our community. Right. It's, it's not easy, right? It's people policing people. Yeah. So yeah. How, do we, how do we get the best services, the best customer service to our community and the best possible services to have the best solutions possible and the best resolutions possible? Right. And so we, we're in that process currently of implementing that. Now, that's that's important because uh, you hear so many stories around the country where uh, police uh, agencies are not equipped to deal with mental health emergencies and situations. Correct. And police officers typically uh, are law, uh, there to enforce the laws and not really deal with those type of issues. So I think that's really uh, uh, 
great that you're implementing that type of program and, and something that I think agencies around the, the country should try to implement. I know there are larger agencies that tend to have those services, but yeah. smaller agencies, uh, not so much. Yeah. Um, along your journey, uh, who has been uh, some of the individuals that have either mentored you or been instrumental in your successful journey to chief? Wow. Um, there might be a long list of people there. <laughs> Obviously, you know, I, I, I'll say my parents, number one. Yeah. Right? My, uh, my parents, prime examples of, of, of uh, what a parent should be, my father of what a man should be. I can tell you that... Um, I, there's a lot of things when we talk about serving and servant leadership that I saw from my father that when I was young, I, I questioned, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. I can't tell you the amount of times that my father gave away a suit to, to a person in need. My father owned properties. He always had a vacant unit. It was never vacant. There was always somebody living in it to this day, yeah. to this day that lives in there that is experiencing homelessness. And that's just without telling anybody, he, it's just what he does. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, when you're young, you, you question some of those things. What are you doing? Like, they can work. They can help themselves. And you, you wonder, like, but the example he said is we're here to help people. We're here to, to, to be a catalyst for change. And, and he proved it. And it, it, it's paid dividends for him and the blessings that he's received in his life. But I can tell you where I'd find my father at, at six in the morning. And I can tell you where I find him at nine at night. Uh, I was in the living room, kneeled down, praying for his family. Um, he was, he, he's always been very instrumental. And I think to this day, at my age, even 49, you always want to make your parents proud. Um, right. If, you, yep. if your parents are around, yep. you, you, your parents see you. And, and, you know, he pops his chest out a little bit. Right. My son's the chief of police. Right. And so that, that's proud for me. It makes me feel good. And I know. My parents are very proud of that. I had a good friend of mine. His name is uh, Dr. Gary Neal. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Gary Neal was my school resource officer at Elgin High School. Uh, he wasn't Dr. Gary Neal at the time, but Gary, great friend. I got out of the military. I ended up, again, work, I ended up working with the uh, police department, and he was one of my sergeants. And he was one of those guys that you oftentimes, yeah, you were going through something, you, you, know, he, you wanted to talk to somebody, you could trust to talk to him and mentor you. And he's been a longtime friend to this day. He's a friend, but he, in my, in my journey to the police department, one day he tells me, you know what, Eric, you're gonna be, a, you're gonna be a sergeant in this police department one day. And he gives me his leather jacket with sergeant stripes. He gives it to me. Yeah. He says, you're going to be, way before I even thought I'd be a sergeant, or let alone anything else, he gives me that jacket. Remember, I, he was my school resource officer. He was a sergeant of mine. We worked alongside each other. I worked for him. The day he retired, I got promoted to sergeant. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. Right? Yeah. yeah, right? And, and, and at the promotion ceremony, I had the jacket that he gave me years ago. I had it framed in the shadow box and I presented on his retirement and my promotion ceremony, his jacket back, back to, to him. him. Yes. Nice. So nice. there's pictures online of that somewhere from the news. But he um, he's he's been a longtime friend to this day. You know, I'll call him and run stuff by him. Hey, what do you think? He's he's also a minister. And but it, just a great guy. Yep. I work for several chiefs that 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 really 
allowed me to 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 be the face of the agency at times when you know I was a, I was just a, I was a sergeant or I was even just an officer and they they allowed me to grow and I was the the public information officer that really dealt quite frankly in the Chicagoland area with the with the Spanish media so with yeah. Telemundo Univision and I had crazy ideas of hey let's go recruit let's go take a team to Puerto Rico I ended up taking a team to recruit in Puerto Rico and Univision followed us out to Puerto Rico and continued showing the news of what we were doing from here on, on the island. And there was just a lot of opportunities that I, that I was blessed to be able to, to do, but it wasn't, I had people who allowed me to do that, yeah. allowed the creativity, allowed their freedom, and there was no ego with them. It was okay. Right, right. And so that's what you learned out of the way, is like, there's no ego. Like, do you have a talent and a skill that, that'll help bridge our communities, let's go with it. Let's go with it, I don't have to be the face of it. We're working together to build these relationships right. and build trust. And so, so my last chief I had uh, is Anna Lally, who is who's an Elgin still. She is, she's the chief that promoted me to, to, to a command level. And I'm very thankful that she, she, she did that. And there were so many things that I learned from her. And really, again, the appreciation of, of working under uh, her leadership in a, in a field that's dominated by males, yeah. right? And, right? And her perspectives and our real conversations that we were having and these various chiefs that I, to this day, I, hey Anna, uh, I gotta, we're, you know, right. bounce stuff off of each other. She may call and bounce something off of me, I'll bounce something off of her right. and, and, and some other chiefs that I, that I worked for before as well. And so, those have been people in, 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 in my path that have really helped form me. Amongst everybody else, I think, yeah. um, just anybody that you've worked with, any other supervisor, good or bad, you see things that you say, well, I, I don't want to do it that way, but I like this. Yeah. I think you learn from the good and the bad. Right, right. And, and you kind of mold who you're going to be in this field as a law enforcement leader and create, who am I? What yeah. did I like? What didn't I like? It, it, you often learn more from what you don't like. Right, right. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I think that's in life in general. Yeah. Um, I know you are uh, an advocate for social justice and a lot of that has to do with where you come from and how you grew up and the things you've seen and experienced. Uh, and then, you know, and, and then since you've been in law enforcement, you've had a, a number of issues that kind of uh, garnered national attention such as George Floyd and uh, things of that nature. So uh, talk to me about your, your, your stance on social justice and how uh, the George Floyd in incident in particular uh, impacted you uh, in law enforcement. Well, you know, I have, I have four children um, and they all very, look very distinct. Well, my oldest son, who's 29, if you see him, he's a black male. My, my two daughters, one of them's a little fairer than the other, and the other one's a little bit darker. And some people think she's a, uh, you know, African American and or, or, or a mix of something. Yeah. Which obviously we are. But and then I have an 11 year old son with big curly Afro hair. Um, but when George Floyd happened, you have to remember, like my daughters, who was 26, 9, 20, were in my in my life as a police officer all their life. She calls me and says, Dad, what do I do? This is the first time 
that this this conversation really ever comes up. Yeah. They they like, what do we do? Because I've always told them, you start off, girls, you, 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 you don't don't be fooled. You're starting off with two negatives. You're a female and you're Latina. Yeah. The only thing I have on you is that I'm a guy. So work hard, push hard, prove yourself by what you do, but know that we, we have to navigate a little differently. Yeah. When they asked me that question, it was like, oh my, what, what do I do? What do you mean, what do you do? She goes, I, I feel like I'd be safe in the town that you work in, in the city that you work in, but what do I do somewhere else? And it really struck me. It struck me in the sense that, yeah, they're right. What do you do? And I've always told them, even me when I'm not in uniform, I get stopped. I don't like a police car behind me. I'm a chief of police. Right. And I don't like, when they pull, I leave my hands out. I roll down the windows. I turn the lights on. Officer, what would you like me to do? Oftentimes, I'll have a gun on my waist, and so I have to let them know early. Yeah. Listen, there's a gun on my waist. I'm not telling you what to do, but there's a badge that goes with it. You tell me what you need me to do. Because I know I don't look like the typical police officer. Right. Right. And I don't tell them I'm a police officer, but I eventually have to tell them, like, hey, I, ha- I, don't, I don't want them to do something to me. And to me, it's just we have to treat our communities equally. Yeah. And I think where we've lost is this balance. I talk about balance all the time. When we talk about balance, when you talk about balance in your diet, in your, in your work life, uh, balance of your finances, I think policing loss is balance, completely lost its balance between engagement and enforcement yeah and i think i think when i think about it i think it goes back to 9-11 all of a sudden the police can't do anything wrong they're the heroes yeah and they got to their heads that pendulum swung all the way this way then all of a sudden george floyd's and the other issues that came up yeah the pendulum swung all the other way right. around right. let's defund the police let's take all let's we don't need them we're gonna well there was no definition for the fund but i understand what they meant let's reallocate funds to where we need to reallocate monies to and, and change how we're doing policing yeah but it went the whole other way right but then what do we see now these high crime rates, these high numbers, vehicular hijackings, shootings that are nationwide, right? Because right? we've lost our balance, right? And when you think about social justice, you, wanna, you want to be treated fairly. I want to be treated fairly. Everybody wants equality is what we want. Right. We want equality. But you also want to feel safe. Yep. Right. You also want to feel safe. So you don't want to lose services neither. You want to feel safe. And I think that's where it's at is we have to have a balance on how here in law enforcement we are engaging and how we are enforcing. We can't just be kicking doors in and just taking everybody to jail. But we also can't just be hugging babies and crossing the elderly people across the street. There's. There's a balance that we need to have, and there's an equality that we need to have across the board. And I always say this, and I, and I tell my staff this, and I tell those in leadership is, if you treat everybody and measure everybody with the same ruler, we're not going to have any issues, because you're getting the same, that this person looks different than you is getting the same, and this person, because right. we're, we're treating everybody the same. We gotta get past those, everybody's got a bias but it's how you act on those biases, right? We gotta get past 
what we perceive somebody to be or who they are based right. on what they look like. Right, right. So uh, how do you feel um, mental health of the officers, um, how you feel that th that play a role in how they engage with the community and, and what kind of steps are you doing to try to protect the mental health of your staff? Absolutely. So we've implemented a, a program called We Never Walk Alone here at our police department. So we have peer mentors, but we also have mentors that you can reach out to that are not in or around this area. Because oftentimes officers don't want to talk to somebody that's here because of fear of you're going to give me a rubber gun, you're going to put me on a desk, you're going to do this. Um, so mental health and physical health is very, very important and at the top of the list for me. Because if you're not mentally right, if you're having issues at home, if there's things that are going on, you can't come in here and do a job the appropriate way. Right. Right? And I often, if I had a dry erase board, I could show you, but you start off with a certain amount of stress at the beginning of the day. Now you go to a hot car, that stress goes up, and then you start to come back down, and then come to the next car and it goes up again. Right. It goes up. So you never get back to where you even started, and it's up here. And if we don't know how to cope with that and work through that, this is where we're up here and you say something to me that I didn't like and now this issue becomes different. Yeah. Right. We're talking to you recklessly. We're saying something that's disrespectful. Um, and that's oftentimes some of the biggest complaints we get is I don't like how that officer spoke to me. Right. It's not that the officer did A, B or C. It's how, the how, biggest one of the biggest complaints is how the officer spoke to me. Again, we, we, we look at the suicide rates and divorce rates in, in law enforcement. They're very high. So for me, it's important to engage not just the officers, but engage their families right. in the process. Um, one of the things that, that I do at the police department, every time somebody has a baby, I write a letter to the baby. Not to the parents. Yeah. Not to... Uh, I write a letter to the baby. It gets mailed to the, to the, to the baby. Yeah. Um, it's a nice sock and it's, a, it's, it's, it's nice. It's got the, the watermark and, and it talks about the parent. It talks about, hey, well, when you were born, your father or your mother worked for the Peoria Police Department and I go on. I said, by the time you get this letter and you're able to read it, the ink's probably run and, and, and I could tell you how many calls I've gotten from an officer saying, my wife has been crying for the last 15 or 20 minutes because of the letter that you sent our baby. Wow. You want to engage the families because we can't do this work without the support that's behind us and our families. Um, it is a very stressful job. It's a very demanding job. We see things that the average human is not going to see. Right. And, we, and we deal with people at their worst. We don't get the... You know, we don't right. get to see them at their best. We're right. usually dealing with people at their worst. And we need to provide the right tools for our officers to be able to deal with that. But we also need to empower the families to know how to support yeah. that as well. Right. So it's a, you got a, a full holistic approach and get everybody involved. So some of the things we're working on now is, is renting out places and doing yoga classes for the, for the whole family. Yeah. Uh, some other fun events that we can incorporate the family. We do uh, some Christmas events where we engage the families as well. Um, one of the things that I did when I got hired here was all promotion ceremonies, we do a full ceremony about, with, and the family's gotta come. And if you're getting promoted, be prepared to ha have a speech and make sure you thank your family. Yeah. And so that's what I tell them. It's, this ain't about you. 
this is not about you. This promotion is not about you. It is you, but it's about everybody that supported you all the way all up. The way. Wow. Yep. So coming from very humble uh, beginnings, uh, going through the ranks, becoming the chief of police, uh, you, you're someone that I consider to be a self-made uh, man. And I just want to know in your own words, what do you think that means to be self-made? I don't know if I'm self-made, you know, quite frankly, <laughs> yeah. right? When you say self-made, yes, have I, have I pushed myself past some limits? Yes. If I, didn't, if I didn't push myself through school and I didn't push myself, well, let's start it early. If I didn't push myself into the military and make a decision, there was a why in my life. If I have a moment to explain this why. I have a good friend of mine that was supposed to go in the Marine Corps with me. We're going to go on a buddy system. Went to high school together, same family backgrounds. We went to the same church. We were both Puerto Rican. We both were same. Family, our friends. He decided to stay back and not go selling drugs and just being a criminal. Yeah. I left. So that was my first main decision. I left. I went to the core. And in that why, I, I took a different direction than he did. So I had to push myself past what I potentially could have been doing right. in the moment to go do something else, which wasn't easy, but we did it. it but I, but I was, I'm going to say this as we get ready to close the, the episode. I personally think you are a self-made man because anytime you have an individual uh, that comes from just ordinary circumstances and they're able to push to the top of whatever their career is yeah. or whatever they choose uh, from uh, as a profession, uh, that person has beat the odds. And yeah. just like so many people that grew up uh, in our communities, uh, we, we, we all got to that, that why, to yeah. that fork in the road, and, yeah. and we just chose a, a, a different path. And so I, I really want to thank you thank so you. much for being thank on you. the show, thank you. taking time out your busy yeah. schedule. Thank you. I and appreciate um, it. I, I really admire all the things that you're doing um, for, the, for the citizens of Peoria, but also what you've done through your career and how you have placed uh, the emphasis on the people that you are in charge of protecting and serving. Uh, to my viewers, I want to thank you for watching this episode of Self Made. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me. <laughs>